Welcome back, Action Alerts Plus subscribers and AAP podcast listeners. Chris Versace here. And, uh, you know, I always look forward to sharing these conversations with you, pulling kind of the uh, going behind the curtain, if you will, talking with, uh, you know, other AAP team members and, you know, CEOs and other thought leaders. And today I'm really happy to bring back uh, the one, the only, Roberto Bob Lang. That's right. Uh, this is the guy who was doing the chart of the day, chart of the week. And from time to time, when I have some, uh, you know, vacation time or personal travel that I have to deal with, uh, Bob is a right-hand man for AAP. So with that, let's just bring Roberto, as I like to call him, in. Bob, how you doing? I'm doing great, Chris. It's always great to be with you and, and share some uh, kernels of wisdom with the subscribers and uh, our thoughts about what the markets are doing, what the economy is doing, and just kind of um, crystallize things a little bit better. Um, you know, we're, we're coming up into spring, Chris. I know um, one of the things that I always enjoyed um, uh, in the area where you live is the um, uh, start of spring. And they bring out the cherry blossoms, right? Is that the That's end true. of March? Well, they don't. <laughs> they don't bring well, them they, out. They don't wheel them out. Well, they, That's not what they, Mother Nature brings them out. Yes, that? yes, yes, yes. They, you, you are correct. That that should be uh, with a supposed early spring. That'll probably be a little, e little early, earlier than usual. What you may not know is right around the height of cherry blossom season, there's also a kite festival around the Washington Monument. And it's really fantastic to see all those kites kind of zipping by, uh, particularly since you usually see nothing in the space around the Washington Monument. So that that is pretty good. And you are right, Bob, spring is approaching. And if I were talking to uh, Sarge, I would expect to hear him say, Pitchers and catchers, pitchers and catchers. That's what I would expect. <laughs> he so. loves baseball, doesn't he? Yeah, sure does. Well, he does. He does. And, and you know, you said something a, a minute ago about talking about the market, the economy, and we, we are going to cover that. But, you know, it is kind of interesting, Bob, that I think when we look back towards the end of October, that, that was the real tipping point in the market. It, it's really continued to grind its way higher from there. You know, uh, the economy clearly more resilient than people were expecting. The Fed, you know, had that kind of, sort of, but not really dovish uh, tilt with their December meeting. But, you know, earnings season has been better than expected. And it, it just seems like, Bob, that, you know, a lot of things are kind of going the right way, having propelled the market so much so that I think people, it's not that people are um, no longer thinking about rate cuts, I think that they're saying, wow, the economy has been strong despite what the Fed has done. It could get much better as the rate cuts happen. But I guess I think the question that you're looking at as I see your face, Bob, is you're going, yes, Chris, that's true. But the big question is when will those rate cuts actually happen? Well, Chris, you know, last time we talked, um, I think we were both um, <clears throat> suffering from amazement of, from the market. Uh, and how they were starting to price in still five and <laughs> yes. a half, six rate cuts. Remember that? I think it even got it. Uh, I think at one point in time, craziness that uh, they were looking for the market was looking for seven rate cuts to bring the, the Fed funds all the way down to about three seventy-five. Um, that was that was pretty much pretty insane, if you ask me. Um, but <clears throat> it's just not the reason why it was insane, Chris, is that. 
that is people just don't understand that is not how the Federal Reserve operates. Now, obviously, we've had different regimes over the years. We had Greenspan, we had Mankey, we had Janet Yellen, and now we've got Jay Powell, right? So each one of these uh, Fed chair, Fed chairmen, men, chair women, they they operate very differently, but similar in 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 the pace and style for how they move progressively through the economy. They don't want it. They want to have fewer shocks. And they don't want to be responsible for shocking the economy and shocking um, investors in a, in a way that that's going to um, uh, remove some confidence that they have in, in investing in, in, in markets and so forth. So I think that um, you, you, you talked about when rate cuts are going to happen. I, I really don't think it really matters, to be honest with you. I think um, if, if, if by now... People are 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 just waiting for these rate cuts to happen, and they're going to be making their money on that particular event happening. I think it's certainly the wrong approach. I think what you have to do is you have to look ahead. This is some of the things. That, these are some of the things that you talk about um, regularly in uh, for Action Learners Plus subscribers. You're looking ahead, looking at looking at where, you know, I, what what is the phrase that. Um, with Wayne, uh, Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky, I want to be where the puck. I want to be where the puck is going. Not where it is, right? That's right. So that, that's, that's exactly right. And um, so, so I think that if people are waiting for those rate cuts to come, who knows when they're going to be? The market is now well, uh, in, in June, right? So yeah. So I, I, I agree with it. You can't necessarily wait around, right? But you can, you can get prepared. You know, we did that yesterday in the AAP portfolio. We, we, we added uh, the shares of Home Builder, DR Horton ticker symbol DHI, um, in anticipation of what the eventual rate cuts may do to the to uh, the demand for housing, particularly single family housing, uh, particularly in areas with very strong jobs growth, Florida, Texas which is where Horton uh, has a number of their communities. Um, so I think you're right. You, you have to get prepared. But look, we we did that, you know, uh, 20, 2022, 2023. We were getting ready for the benefits of the Biden infrastructure law. You know, we got ready with the CHIPS Act with applied materials. And we've seen those start, right? The key is that those programs have to start with Horton and the others. I think we're going to need to see the economy remain resilient job growth continue and the start of rates coming down. But did you see, Bob, that the uh, the NABE came out and they upped their forecast for GDP for 2024 in November, 1.3% for the US, 2.2% now. They also upped their job creation forecast as well. Um, just a lot more signs, dare I say, Bob, potential green shoots. Yeah, I, and 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 frankly, you know, with a, with a big election coming up uh, later this year, Chris, when only uh, believe it or not, half months away, we're or until uh, November, what is it, November fifth, right, November third, uh, when the uh, presidential election comes along, and and you know, you arguably you have to say that for the past couple of years, there's been you know great progress on the economy, great progress on uh, dropping inflation, even though there's some some uh, areas of the economy are still, you know, have high prices. By and large, you know, people are working. The jobs market has been strong. It's been robust. And that's one of the reasons why Fed has not had to uh, slam on the brakes so quickly. Um, 
are they getting this uh, elusive um, soft landing that, that everybody has been looking for? I think um, it, it's possible, but I, I'm not going to say, you know, nobody's going to really say there was a soft, there's a soft landing coming until it's actually happened. Right. And of course, like a, like a recession, right, Chris, you don't know you're in a recession until quarters later when you know it's right. a negative GDP. So um, I think <clears throat> pretty much that, that we're, what we're talking about here is um, a strong uh, economy that's been chugging right along. You got a good job growth. You've got people working. You got people spending money. You've got people uh, out there. And you, 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 you know, I'm going to give you some great credit here, Chris. You've been talking about this for two years since 2022 about the importance of labor unions and, and, and the influence that they've had on uh, on the economy and, and how they you, you send me stuff all the time labor union you just sent me something yesterday right I think it was, it was yesterday. no no, it was, no. Today. it was it was today it was about a yeah. potential strike in St. Louis for an anheuser Bush uh, plant which is targeting I want to say early March the, the thing the thing about it is that you understand and you realize how important labor unions are especially with this president President Biden um, backing the uh, labor and and giving them the power and the strength to negotiate with big companies better wages right so um you know when we talk when when, when politicians talk about growing uh, or economists grow, talk about growing the economy from the middle out instead of from the top down or the, or the bottom up it's growing from the middle from the middle section you know you, you know you talk about getting fat well the 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 economy demographically is getting fat which is which is good, which is a good thing. Um, you get more people being able to spend money. They more wages are going up. It's all. Did you freeze, Bob? No, I'm I'm here. Okay, sorry about that. Little a little uh, glitch in the digital infrastructure. So I, I I appreciate that, Bob. And you know my my whole thing has been that kind of the 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 flow through where uh, I've been concerned about inflation, you know, lingering longer, if you will, than a lot of people had thought about. And that was certainly part of it with labor unions. But I'll tell you what, I, I was in a supermarket uh, in the last 24 hours and I had to go buy some coffee and I almost did a double take because I had to buy not a pound of coffee, Bob, 12 ounces of coffee. And I was looking around and most of the prices were 15, 16 dollars. I, I almost yeah. had a heart attack. And, you know, I know I wrote that higher coffee prices were, were going to be a big thorn in the side of Starbucks and other, other coffee realtors. But seeing it firsthand in the aisle, boy, oh boy, that that really smarts, I got to tell you. But it, but it also says, though, that I, I think, you know, inflation is going to come down in certain areas. It may not come down all at once. But the other part of it is, Bob, you know, at least by all the metrics that we track, we haven't seen any widespread deflation yet. Right. And and that uh, <clears throat> could be a problem if for the Fed if we do get some widespread deflation. I just think the the thing here this time around, Chris, versus what we had in the, in, the, in 2011, 12, 13, and 14, when we had ramp inflation and the Fed was trying to fight that uh, deflationary period, we have a strong labor market and we have people spending. So the, you know, prices don't have to drop drastically um you know if you're if you're going out buying a, a mcdonald's hamburger the or a chipotle burrito or whatever 
prices don't have to drop drastically because demand is still there. You're still getting people coming in or wanting to buy. So you still want people wanting to buy cars, washing machines, um, you know, record, uh, 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 musical, music online, and so forth. So I, I, who knows? I mean, what, what? The, I think the, the key here is this strong labor market. And last week, we saw a huge drop in uh, jobless claims, right? Almost under 200,000. So that sort of signals, Chris, that February's jobs report is going to be pretty strong next Friday. Well, you know, you know, I track the flash PMI data that S&P Global puts out. And yeah, I mean, it does look like there's going to be another strong month of jobs. We'll we'll see. Later this week, we'll get the final manufacturing PMIs. And it's interesting because between the two, um, according to the flash PMI data, services softened slightly, still growing. Uh, but it was manufacturing that turned up for the second consecutive month. This will be interesting if data from ISM kind of verifies that. Um, you know, that 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 could support the notion that there's some green shoots out there. Manufacturing jobs are, you know, higher paying jobs, which, of course, is good for co- continued consumer spending, um, especially if we start to see uh, even more progress on real wages as that inflation, you know, slows. But the wage but the wage growth continues to be above it. Um you know, it, it's uh, it's kind of an interesting time. We we could very well see this glide path emerge, but the other thing, Bob, is if you take a look across the globe, once again, where's the best economy? It's going to be right here, right here at home, in the United States, best economy, and and you know, by a uh, by a long shot, you know, uh, China seems to still be in retreat. Um, Japan. It, getting out of a, a, a strong, heavy deflationary period, uh, their two-year yields just went up <clears throat> the highest level they've been in over over uh, 12 years. So I, I think that, you know, if you're looking for a place to put park money, it's right here. Well, Joe, by the way, Chris, um, you ever heard of this, uh, you know, this whole chips thing that you mentioned earlier? Really interesting um, how last week, you know, you, 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 uh, you added um, NVIDIA to the portfolio. It, I think at an opportune time, really do I believe that. And, uh, you know, having gone back and read the earnings report and seeing the, the type of margins and the sales and the pro- uh, progress that they've made in AI and everywhere else, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know why, why anybody would not have this stock in their portfolio. And I, it, it didn't really matter if you'd bought it the week before or the week later. It doesn't matter. I think that the futures and again, as we talked about with the puck with uh, Wayne Gretzky, you know, you're seeing that 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 the uh, potential and the trajectory of earnings in this company are are just outstanding right now. I, you know, I agree. You know, it, it, there's a strong, as I like to say, tailwind for this. There's a lot of investment coming in. Um, you know, and, and it's not just Microsoft, Alphabet, Amazon, Meta, right? There, there's other companies that are doing things, trying to figure out how they can drive productivity. But the, the the stat that really blew me away, Bob, was 50 billion spent last year on venture-backed um, AI, generative AI investments. I, I, I was just, I was blown away by that. Um, and in some respects, it, it you know, it, what, I, what I guess what I wanna say is I'm, I'm really watching how this all plays out because uh, in many ways, I, I could see a scenario similar to uh, the dot-com bubble. And what I mean by that is this. 
back around um, 99, 2000, all sorts of venture dollars were going towards new internet startups. And as we know, only a fraction of them thrived. Uh, even more, um, you know, fell by the wayside. And that left a lot of excess capacity uh, for the internet, and some of it in the form of dark fiber. Uh, ultimately, over time, that dark fiber was consumed as more robust applications across the internet emerged. Now, when it comes to AI, do I think that you know all these little individual AI companies are going to make it? Probably not. No. Probably not. And 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 at some point, there will probably be a little bit of an M and A frenzy that happens, which will be good. But again, not all those companies are going to make it, which means at some point we're likely to see some excess capacity in the AI slash data center sphere. So that's that's the one thing that I'm going to continue to watch, even as you're right, even as we added NVIDIA to the AAP portfolio. Um, I do think that that stock is undervalued. Uh, as I shared in my note with members, uh, 950 without even flexing the valuation, um, the key here is looking at the peg ratio, and that goes out to around 2025 uh, to get there. And I, I think you, you've been a champion for NVIDIA saying they've got a you know, two, three quarter lead on folks. And I think you're probably right. Uh, the key for Jensen is going to be to continue to extend that lead as best he can. Um, but Bob, from a, from a technical perspective, because I know you like to look at the charts, that's your bread and butter business along with being a ace options trader. Um, where, where's the level in your mind that you back up the truck for NVIDIA? 750, 750 to 770 if it drops down that low. Um, <clears throat> I'm just not sure you're going to get the opportunity because, you know, there's a lot of fundamental investors who are going to look at that and say that this is a great value down here. It's hard to imagine somebody coming in and saying NVIDIA is a value stock, Chris. I, I mean, what, <laughs> you know, it's a growth stock, clearly, but, you know, somebody is going to come in there and say it's not, uh, this that old um, that old uh, uh, acronym GARP, right? So it was re at a reasonable price. I mean, it's uh, maybe that's you know that's where it is. I think 750 has been a was a good level um, where we saw some some uh, some good buying coming in last week, uh, and the stock moved up post earnings. So I think that that would be a level um, if we got there, we pulled back or something like that in the markets in your know, come right along with it, and uh, that's where you're going to back up the truck. Okay, so we know that NVIDIA has been a strong champ for the overall market. Um, you know, last year it was the MAG7. This year, you know, some of those have continued. We're hearing uh, MAG4, MAG5. Um, I think they're, you know, kicking Tesla, maybe kicking Apple to the curb. Um, but it's interesting because I just saw that Barclays boosted its S&P 500 target to 5,300. Um, and I think we're going to see a little bit more of that as folks get more comfortable with, you know, as we were talking earlier about the economy, the positive impact on earnings and more diverse um, upside in earnings, not not just in the, you know, big tech arena. Um, I don't think we're going to get tremendous multiple expansion, um, but, you know, 5300 from a from a technical level, Bob, is that achievable in your your mind? Uh, yeah, it's certainly achievable, especially if um, uh, the economy continues to drive forward. And notice, I, I didn't, <clears throat> my, I won't qualify that by saying if the Fed cuts interest rates, then the, then, then that is achievable. I'm going to base everything solely on 
on how, how, how strong the economy is. If we get good GDP growth, we had, we had good last couple quarters. Um, if we chug along at, you know, to anywhere from two and a half, three percent, it, 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 it will become apparent to most people that it doesn't matter what the Fed does with interest rates as long as the economy can keep chugging along. Listen, look at how much growth we had in the S&P 500 from what you referenced earlier, October, when we were at 4,100 to where we're at right now, 5,100. That's 25% growth in the S&P 500 with interest rates up at five and a quarter, five and a half percent. So you tell me, are interest rates really at this point in time a hindrance to economic growth in the S&P 500 going up? I say no. Yeah, well, I mean, look, the market is not the economy. The, the, well, the, the market's not the economy. The economy's not the market. I, I would say take a look at the GDP numbers with, with those interest rates or take a look at some of the, um, the PMI numbers and where they have been. Right. When, when you look at that, I, I agree with you. And I think that has given way to the strength of what you're seeing in the market. Um, you know, look, the, the, the big thing that folks were thinking about, you know, this time last year was, oh, my God, the Fed's going to continue to raise rates. At some point, there'll be a recession because there has to be. And it hasn't shown up and it doesn't look like it's going to I mean, it may show up, but it doesn't look like it's going to show up. And I think that's what people are wrapping their head around. Um, so I, I'm optimistic on 5300. You know, I, I think we're going to need to see a little more comfort in consensus EPS numbers um, for the S&P 500. You know, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a wonk when it comes to that, Bob. The uh, I like to parse the data. I like to compare second half of the year versus first half. And, you know, as we sit here today, those expectations are strong. But if the economy surprises to the upside, I agree with you that um, those numbers become increasingly likely, uh, potentially conservative if you throw in, you know, one, two rate cuts in the back half of the year. Um, you know, timing is going to be critical for that to happen. Um, you know, if we get, a, you know, two rate cuts after the presidential election, uh, November, December, it's not going to do a lot, right, for 2024. That Then it becomes a 2025 game. Um, now, Bob, you, you said, you know, you, you predicated 5,300 on the economy, maybe rate cuts. Um, so when do you think the first rate cut is, before or after the presidential election? Um, I'm going to give my stock economic uh, economist uh, response, and that that is, uh, it depends. Depends. <laughs> okay, wait, 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 wait. Let me Let me get pen to paper here, pencil to paper. Um, because I, I, I'm, I'm going to put you in this. I'm going to give you the same opportunity that Freedom Capital's Jay Woods had back in November. In November, Jay said, I expect Walgreens boots to be kicked to the curb from the Dow Jones Industrial Average. And by Jove, he was correct. So I want to give you the same opportunity to go on record, Bob, as it looks today. When do you think we will see the first rate cut before or after the presidential election in 2024? We will have two rate cuts in 2024. First one's coming in July, and the next one will be at the following meeting in September, and then the Fed will back off. That's they're going to say that's all the that's all the uh, that's all we need. Uh, and if and if the economy slows down. Towards the end of 2024, we'll, we'll likely get three rate cuts in 25. Okay. 
So you don't, so July and September, you heard it there, audience. Bob Lang is sticking his leg out. Um, but September, Bob, talk to me. Talk to me about September because that that's typically just a little too close to the election. You 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 think that? You, well, are you buying that? You know, Powell's line that we're totally independent. We don't care. Yeah, I I, I am, and 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 I I take him for his word there. And also, the next meeting after that um, comes right after the election. There's going to be plenty of noise and plenty of of uh, excitement going on. Uh, around the election, and then the last meeting, of course, is in is in um, December. Don't, let's not forget that in August, in August there's an important event going on, and that was Jackson. That's going to be Jackson Hole, right? So uh, there's a, a huge lag of time between the July meeting and the September meeting, but in between we have that Jackson Hole. So we're gonna it's not a it's it's not a a, 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 a policy move on during a Jackson Hole, but we have seen. A lot of language, a lot of verbiage, a lot of talking going on that jawbones, uh, the markets up or down just two years ago. Remember what happened? I mean, the, the, the markets just got torpedoed in uh, after Jackson Hole in 2022. Um, so uh, 2023 is uh, on event. So um, so I, you know, that's something that we have to look forward to, Chris. And I think, uh, um, you know, going into going into the election, I think, I think the um the Fed would prefer to stay in the uh, in the wings as opposed to being on the stage. And I think the temper one sets them up perfectly for that. If you have a 25 basis point cut, you would bring it down to 475, which is where um, the, the projections were at in December. We'll see more projections, Chris, in two weeks when the Fed uh, comes out with their uh, policy statement in March. Any thought about that? Because, you know, again, economy stronger than expected. Credit, condition, credit conditions are, you know, if, if you read some of the press, looser than they've been in some time. I, I shared with members yesterday the American Banking Association, Association Bank Credit Index, and it's, it's the highest it's been in two years. So, um, you know, it's possible the Fed might have to, uh, I hate to say this, but, you know, take an even more uh, cautious stance. Depending on the data. Well, well, I, I've noticed over the past, you know, few uh, three four weeks, the quantitative tightening continues. And last week, the Fed sold 53 billion dollars worth of bonds just last week alone. So they're 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 still shedding bonds off of their off their balance sheet. And what's interesting is that we haven't seen the uh, rise in interest rates as that supply has been coming online, which means that. Banks and hedge funds and so forth and dealers are absorbing all that supply coming on, on coming online. And in addition, any new issuances that come out from the Treasury, you know, we have those auctions every 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 day, just about um, of new issuance of different uh, different duration. But I think what's interesting here is that um, when you have um, uh, this quantitative tightening going on here, the Fed is trying to their goal is to get their get themselves back to a, a reasonable place where they before the pandemic because they started buying bonds crazy uh after the pandemic in 2020 and, and bloated their balance sheet that off without causing too much of a of a ripple into the economy it seemed to be pulling it off hmm. well we'll have to be watching um the data leading up to those projections and of course uh how fed chair powell explains those projections that'll always be kind of interesting um 
you know, I will say that his hesitancy at that last policy meeting of saying, we just want to see more, we just need to see more, was confusing at the time, but it turned out to be the right tack because as you and I have discussed, and I shared this with members, um, when you look back at the core CPI over the last four months, almost five months, pretty much trapped between 3.9% and 4.1%. So I, I with, with that knowledge, his comments make a lot more sense. But, um, but Bob, talk to me about um, this continued move higher in the market, the VIX, not really budging. Um, yeah, 13%, uh, you know, uh, low volatility, which tells you what? Tells you that <clears throat> market players, traders, investors don't really feel like it's necessary to buy insurance, which really, frankly, Chris, from, from my standpoint, is really kind of dangerous. You know, if, you, if you're walking through, uh, any, uh, walking through the markets every single day without any protection on, you, you're going to have a day where, you know, like we had recently, and, and frankly, every, same, every pullback seems to be bought by the dip buyers, but what, there's going to be a day where the dip buyers aren't going to be there, and you're going to continue to go down, and, and, and if you're not protected, you're going you're gonna to feel some pain, because look, let's face it, the markets have been up a lot since uh, October, uh, 25% on the S&P 500, or, or a little bit more than that, and uh, at, any, at any point in time, people can take a profit, right? There's, there's a million reasons to. There's only one reason to buy. Well, so I, I think that we, we we also have, you know, not on. It's not a hard fast rule, but you typically tend to see one to two five percent corrections each year. And you know, true. again, not saying we're gonna we're we're gonna see one near term, but. The longer we continue to move higher the way we have, the greater the odds that we see some type of pullback. Um, candidly, Bob, that's why you know we have the two inverse CTFs, SH, PSQ, in the portfolio. You know what we've said is, um, you know, now that the we know the economy is holding up better than expected, earnings have shaped up better than expected. The Fed has telegraphed what we think it's going to do. Um, you know, we're inclined to potentially start trimming out those two inverse CTF positions when the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ Composites relative strength, RSI, gets more, gets more in line with a normalized reading around 50. Uh, we haven't been there in some time. You know, we, we've started to move in that direction and then the market has moved higher. Um, so, we, we're, so we're just not there yet. Let, let me share with you something technical side with, with as it relates to the VIX, right? <clears throat> so when the VIX is underneath the 200 moving average, that's very bullish for markets, it's bullish for, for volatility. But when it when that 20-day moving average crosses underneath the 200-day moving average, that is double double bearish volatility, double bullish for, for, uh, for the market. So we're seeing that situation right now, that condition is happening. So un, un, unless there's, there's some sort of press to the upside, with volatility, there's some sort of surprise out there that that nobody's aware of that uh, they're expecting. But it's pretty much steady. She goes, we've had long a uh, duration of low volatility for for months at a period of time. Does it get? Does the market actually eventually pay for it? Sure, it does. But you know, at this point in time, I just don't see anything on the horizon that's going to. Uh, so you, you cut out there for a second, Bob. So let, let me just get you to yeah. stay, stay, stay this again. So when the when the VIX is below the 200-day moving average, you said that is bullish for the market. 
Correct. And bearish okay. for volatility, bullish for the markets. That's right. Okay. And then you said when the 200-day moving, sorry, the 20-day moving average moves below the 200-day moving average, that is extremely bullish double or bullish. double bullish. Okay. Okay. And you're saying that's what's happening now. Correct. Okay. Okay. So it would seem then that um, near-term pullback, not saying it's not going to happen, but if we believe that indicator, that double bullishness that you're seeing, it would take a, a surprising event, a strong surprising event to uh, let, let's just use that language to make it very clear for listeners. It would take a strong surprising event to knock the markets on its ass from where it's been. That's that correct. I agree with that. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Well, Chris, Chris, I have a question for you. Um, uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. Circle back. <laughs> Circle back. That's our famous phrase, right? Yeah. Circling back, what you were talking about with Powell and the Fed and monetary policy, right? Um, and because I, I, I want, I, I think this really, this uh, is a round peg into a round hole here. When you think about um, why would the Fed need to cut interest rates, and there's a couple of reasons. Obviously, if the economy slows down and if inflation starts coming in, right? Well, if the economy is growing strong with higher interest rates and we don't see that commensurate drop in, say, the core rate, which you were just talking a few months ago, three, nine to four, one, why does the Fed have to do anything at all? Why do they have to cut interest rates? Obviously, they're, they, they forecast two, two and a half, Left. Yeah, but they could change that in March, right? So a couple of things. One, if the if the core rate doesn't really move, if we're still quite a distance away, if they start cutting rates, they run the risk of, you know, turbocharging the economy, which is only going to drive inflation higher, right? It, it will defeat their purpose. This is why they really need to get to a point where a, a wide array of inflation metrics are near or on approach to being near their 2% target, right? So what are those? It's going to be core PPI, core CPI, obviously, core PCE. And one of them might get there sooner than the other, certainly possible. But I think for them to be really comfortable that they have licked it on a sustained basis, they have to see a preponderance of the metrics get closer to that target. So. And you're right. I was actually kind of alluding to that when you were talking about, um, you know, the upcoming revisions to the economic forecast that the Fed will publish uh, at the culmination of their March meeting. Um, they might very well have to upgrade the GDP forecast and they might have to upgrade uh, the levels at which the uh, inflation are at for 2024. And the market's not going to like that. Because, and I say that because if you look at the economic data, clearly better than expected, NAB boosted their, their uh, 2024 GDP forecast. We, we, we already talked about that. But on the inflation front, you know, there are signs that it's persistent. And, and there are still some wild cards, in my opinion, that could, you know, really retard any meaningful progress in inflation. Not saying it won't ever get there, just saying it's going to draw it out, and make it slower. Um, you know, like, uh, April 1, and I know people are tired of hearing me talk about this, but April 1, California's fast food law 
goes into effect. And, you know, everybody who's flipping your burgers or doing whatever, 20 bucks an hour starting. That is going to need to be absorbed. And we were hearing Wendy's is flirting, for example, with a flexible pricing menu. I'm not really sure what that is. You know, burgers, you know, cheap for breakfast, expensive for lunch. I don't know. But it's going to be interesting to watch. Um, so I, I do as think. Long as, though, as long, long as Costco doesn't touch their hot dogs, right? Well, I don't, you know, it, you know, it, it's interesting you say that because I don't think they will, but you have to remember that, that the biggest proponent of that, the CFO, um, what is, uh, Rick Galantis is he's, he's retiring. So who knows, yeah. but you know what? I'd pay, I'd, I'd pay up to $2 for that hot dog and a soda. <laughs> and, and, and you know what? Th that for them would be like a 20% bump. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, but you know what? I think I personally think that they lose money on that hot dog. I I think they do it just to serve their members and and if you know Costco, they do everything for their members, right? It's it, it's a well-run organization. So, um, and you, you know and you know Chris, you can get uh, you know dialing it back to Sarge again. Um, if we uh, you could buy four of those hot dogs probably at Costco for one that you can get at uh, for the Nationals play, right? Well, I'll tell you the best deal. I, I touched on this in Monday's rundown. Um, you you know what I did this past weekend. I went down to uh, Savannah for a couple of days, and I had the pleasure of seeing the Savannah Savannah Bananas. And I got to tell you, this guy, Jesse Cole, I, I spoke with him for a few minutes. Uh, he's the owner. He's got it all figured out. Fans first. Um, you know, you, you pay one price, you walk into the ballpark, there's a show going on when you, when you walk into the stadium, there's a whole pregame show going on in the field. The game itself of banana ball, as he calls it is two hours. But the thing that surprised me the most, Bob, hamburgers, hot dogs, chicken sandwiches, water, not only free, you could go back multiple times. Wow. I mean, I mean, that I was that that talk was about, talking about a throwback, right? That's a throwback. Yeah. 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 But I mean, they I mean, they are just it, it's I'm really anxious to get his book uh, and read it because it's um, it's all about driving your business towards the fans or if you were to flip it around to business talk, you know, um, giving great value and a great experience to customers. And if you want to bring it back to Costco, boy, do they do that. I, I agree 100%. Absolutely. So, so, all right, Bob. Um, so as we're taping this, it is Tuesday, February 27th. Um, big items coming out between the balance of the week. Uh, portfolio's got some earnings, but we've also got the second look of uh, fourth quarter GDP. We've got the core and headline PCE price index on Thursday for January. And Friday is the final February manufacturing PMIs. Um, any one of those uh, concern you, Bob? Um, <clears throat> no, not, well, maybe the PCE number might, might be a bit of a concern if it's uh, on the hot side. Uh, we did see hot numbers in January when the uh, CPI and the PPI came out, of course. But um, now Thursday's Thursday, um, listen, you know what, Thursday's leap day, right? And the statistics are up that, uh, you know, leap day uh, is up about 70% of the time. So, you know, we'll have a, uh, have an update on Thursday before we start the new month on Friday. That says 30% of the time it's down. That's a one I, in three I, chance. I love, 
Yeah, but I look I look at the glass half full, Chris. All right. Yeah, Sometimes half full. I'm an optimist. I I I understand. There's a um there's a certain brewery not too far from here that when we go there, um I say <laughs> I kid of course, I say, uh, I'll have what I am. And they look at the menu and they go, Oh, the pessimist. Okay. <laughs> as long as they're not saying you'll, uh, you'll, you'll, well, do they have the optimist there too? I mean, is that, is that? No, they don't. They, they don't. They don't. No, they don't. They don't. But, but I, I kid about that. I, I actually, you know, as I, as I shared with members uh, over the last several weeks, I am increasingly uh, more optimistic about the outlook, not only for the economy, but for the markets. Um, you know, we're, we're going to continue to refine the bullpen as we, uh, you know, identify new opportunities. We we said we added D Dr Horton there um, yesterday. Uh, we did call Nvidia up from the bullpen last week. Um, you know, but I would just say for members that are listening, just because the stock goes into the bullpen doesn't mean it has to graduate to the active portfolio. Things have to go right. Um, as to quote Bartles and James, we will buy no stock before it's time. Yeah, I figured you would uh, like that, Bob. All right, Bob. Any uh, parting message to the to the listeners? I said I I think it's going to be a a a great uh, season up here. Um, spring is in the arrows. We talked about earlier, and uh, um, you know, uh, stocks are stocks are where it's at. And as you mentioned earlier, the best place to to buy stocks is uh, here in the United States. And you know, there's a lot of good companies out here, good high quality companies. They're paying good strong dividends. Doing buybacks, um, taking care of the—I I look at that as saying taking care of the shareholder. You know, companies are doing that, and uh, in, in a big way here. And uh, so I, I, you know, I'm I'm hopeful that um, you know once uh, the monetary policy gets a little bit more um, uh, refined and defined here about when they're going to do rate cuts and whenever that happens, um, you know, the markets are going to are going to respond positively to that too. All right. Well, we will see. The great thing about the AAP podcast is we'll be back and we'll be talking about it. So uh, we will we will hold you, Bob, as I said, two rate cuts, July, September, based on what you know today, three in 2025. I am uh, you can't hear this, but I am circling that in my notebook right here and we will see what happens. All right. <laughs> All right, members, that is today's edition of the podcast. AAP subscribers, please continue to take a look at your uh, emails, your inboxes, a lot of alerts coming your way, a lot of things happening this week. Uh -huh. That tends to be the case every week, but we want to make sure that you're informed and getting our latest thoughts as well as Bob's latest charts. So thanks for listening and be sure to tune in um, next week when we have another podcast. Thanks for listening.